yeah, I realized that I was just saying yes to people so that I could feel like a victim in my own life, so that I could tell other people that, oh my God, and I spend so much of my time doing these things for other people and no one even cares and no one even says thank you and they don't do anything back for me. And instead of doing anything about that, I just got to continue speaking that narrative and entrenching myself more and more into the identity of someone who was hard done by because that's where I got my significance. Hello and welcome to another season of Unashamedly Human, the podcast. My name is Emily Chadbourne and this is your safe space to explore how weird it is to be human. Yes, we talk about mindset, manifestation and spirituality, but we do it through the lens of our humanity. I hope you enjoy this episode and I love you very much. Before we get started, I would just like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which I record this podcast today, the Boonarong people of the Kulin Nation, and I pay my respects to elders past and present. So welcome to another episode of Unashamedly Human, the podcast. I am here with Amy Green. Amy and I have known each other for a really long time. We've been in each other's worlds for ages. I don't think I've ever had a conversation with Amy that hasn't felt really mind-blowing and expansive. Amy is an educator of educators, as in uh, she does a lot of work in the wellness space with educators. Actually, Amy, you tell the people what you do. You're going to phrase it much better than I just did. <laughs> no, I just you, that was great. You were saying so many nice things. I could write, use that as a testimonial. That was beautiful. <laughs> I loved it. I, I guess I do teach teachers now. I was a teacher and I was a school leader, but I do a lot in schools and workplaces and with individuals on um, how do we redesign our workplaces so that educators and staff are the centre of it and we come through or to that with a wellbeing lens. Like how do we really look at how we function, how we connect, how we collaborate, but also how do we work productively, how to engage, how, how do we show up and how do we look after ourselves so that the work we do supports our wellbeing, but so our wellbeing supports our work. Um, it's a really exciting space. I think, you know, I started doing this 10 years ago and people, that's probably when we met Em and people were like, what is that? Um, and now everyone wants it. You know, everyone wants to be able to have a workplace where they can go to, where they feel well, but it really does mean redesigning how we work because the old workplaces are not the new workplaces. That's for sure. Thankfully. Um, <laughs> and the reason that I've asked Amy to come onto the podcast today to talk about people pleasing, what we're not going to do, let's just tell you guys what we're not going to do, listeners. We are not going to sit here and give you the four point structure to stop people pleasing. That's not what we're here for. There are some amazing podcasts, there's some amazing practitioners out there who will absolutely, you know, help you stop your people pleasing ways but we want to have a slightly juicier conversation and maybe a slightly more controversial conversation around what actually is people pleasing and are we abusing the terminology of people pleasing is it always a relevant label to give ourselves and when are we using it for our own gain as opposed to its actual proper use so let's start here Amy like do you do you resonate as someone who is or has been a people pleaser in any way I definitely think has been a people pleaser, not now, but I'm not sure if it was people pleasing in the in the sense of the term we understood it. I think I was probably doing it more for validation because I wasn't confident enough in myself 
So I was doing things to people please because I wanted people to tell me I was great at this or doing a good job or um, seeking that external way of, I, I guess, the high five or the praise that I, I hadn't yet built within myself. Mm. Do you think that you still seek that from other people? Because I think I do. <laughs> but I also um, think I've got a really like, steady sense of self-worth. I just think I really like it when people like me. <laughs> oh, yeah. I love being told how great I am. Yeah. Definitely. Let's not deny that. But I don't think my actions are driven by that anymore. And that's the difference. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, let me sit with that. So your actions are no longer driven by that. So what are your actions driven by? Impact, change, connection um kindness yeah oh yeah okay yeah that's the difference isn't it it's like are you doing this from a space of kindness are you helping a friend out are you inconveniencing yourself sometimes are you sacrificing Saturday morning to help your mate move from a space of kindness or from a place of the need for that person to like you yeah yeah that's such a decent distinction because I think it would have looked like, oh, I have to say yes. Like I have to help with the move because what if they don't like me or what if they don't come to like lunch with me next week? What if they exclude me from their friendship group if I say no? Whereas now I would just say yes because it's a kind thing to do. I yeah. cannot expect anything back. The narrative's gone. Yeah, okay. And I don't you think that's key as well is the not expecting anything back because I have absolutely been this person in the past. My people-pleasing became about, well, I've done this nice thing for you. So now you kind of have to do this nice thing for me. And then when that nice thing wasn't returned in the same way that I thought it should be returned, right? With the same weight or the same time allocation or the same, you know, whatever it might be, uh, the same energy, I got to then play into my victimhood. Now I happen to be the queen of martyrdom like it's just my it's my space I love it it's my default place to just like sit and swell in my own victimhood and I realized once that people pleasing was another way for me to sit in victimhood and when I realized that about myself I threw up a little bit in my mouth Mm, yeah that's hard truth it's hard truth and I yeah I realized that I was just saying yes to people so that I could feel like a victim in my own life so that I could tell other people that, oh my God, and I spend so much of my time doing these things for other people and no one even cares and no one even says thank you and they don't do anything back for me. And instead of doing anything about that, I just got to continue speaking that narrative and entrenching myself more and more into the identity of someone who was hard done by because that's where I got my significance and that's where I played a small game but really loudly Mm, it's like you better appreciate the hell out of me for doing this one nice favor (laughs) i'm such a people pleaser yeah (laughs) Yeah. that's very it's interesting isn't it how we how we we take action but are we aware of the intention behind it god that's such a powerful question to ask yourself what is my intention behind the action that I'm about to, to take or the answer that I'm about to give? As somebody who worked in a very, I would imagine, pressured environment as a teacher, as a classroom teacher and a classroom teacher who was in a leadership position, how did you define your intention behind taking action and saying yes to, I don't know, staying late and working harder than you felt like you really should have to or whatever the narrative was for you as a teacher 
close to burnout because you got close, close to burnout. To burnout. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, I wasn't far off. Um, that's really interesting because that I hear that story all of the time still. Uh, uh, in terms of, I'm giving so much, or I'm overcommitting, or I'm just working so hard, and no one appreciates it, and no one does anything, and I don't get any thanks. And I have been there, but I I think that the shift was, I signed up for this gig, you know, I signed up for this job, I chose to be an educator, and so I can choose to love it and know that it comes with some good things and some bad things. I mean, yes, some systemic things need to change, but that's not part of this. You know, did I want to stay a late night and do a celebration evening or a parentage evening or whatever it was in that moment in time? Not always, but is it part of the gig? Yeah, it's part of the gig, right? So you just have to accept some of the things and know that it came with the decision you made. Mm. And that meant once I once I kind of figured that out, I wasn't. I didn't need someone to, to say thank you or you're amazing or um, I, I guess doing it for a reason that was beyond the reason it was. Mm-hmm. It's just you know that because if we sit in a space of well, I do all these extra things and um, I'm saying yes to everyone else, but no one ever helps me. It is that real victim mindset and mentality, and we have to be able to discern between. There are some things that we just have to do because that is the profession we chose or um, the thing that we said we would do and you're not going to like every piece of it because that's life. But if you're going to give all of your energy over to those moments that are perhaps, you know, not necessarily how you want them to be, you're going to miss out on a whole bunch of cool stuff and you're not going to have any energy left for other things. So you just got to be, I think my my change was, this is what you signed up for. You actually knew it. So go all in with it, enjoy it, and then put boundaries in place where you can. That's the key, isn't it? It's like put boundaries in place where you can and where it's appropriate. And I think what we're seeing in the workforce at the moment with the Gen Z generation is this idea of like, I don't stay past 5 p.m. Those are my contracted hours. And look, I'm not here to say that we should all be working like the baby boomers until midnight and burning the midnight oil and pushing ourselves to burn out. But where is the tension between showing up to do a really good job and maybe going a little above and beyond because that makes you feel proud of yourself and because maybe in the moment or in the season or even just on that project, that's what is demanded. Calling such a straight line that you forget to work as a team or that you forget that you forget that you're working as a component of something that is larger than you. And sometimes that is going to demand that we take a little bit of self-sacrifice. I think you said um, draw a line in the sand, you know, and that's often what people interpret a boundary to be. But I, you know, when I teach boundaries, they first of all have to be communicated. So you have to let people know where your boundary is. But also you have to be prepared to be flexible with them because there is just going to be some things that you can't control. And whilst we can say, I don't work past 5 p.m., that may not be the case. And so there has to be a little bit of give and take, a little bit of flexibility, you know, a little bit of room to move because otherwise you you get resentful on a boundary you put in place when in actual fact, like a little bit of flexibility here, a little, a little bit of movement, and it's a win-win for everyone. Mm. I remember once I had 
had a very terrible year and lots of things that happened in quick succession that kind of brought me to my knees and I spent a lot of time at my friend Kim's house so anyone who's been following me for a long time will know that my mate Kim is the wisest person I've ever met in my entire life maybe I should try and get her on a podcast episode one day and I was like borderline living at her house like I I you know when you're like so in grief and so in pain and you feel like the universe has just collapsed on top of you and I just I couldn't really be by myself I wasn't feeding myself I wasn't like I needed somebody to do the basic things for me like now you need to go to bed (laughs) you know and I found myself relying on my mate Kim really quite heavily and I was so entrenched in my own shit and so like in the fog that I hadn't kind of realized and when I began to come out of that fog slightly I began to realize that she had held 80 to 90 percent of the weight of our friendship and I had just been in a space of receiving from her and asking for for from her and I brought it up in conversation and I was like I'm so sorry that I've just kind of like dumped myself on you and she could have easily turned around and felt like she was people pleasing like she was giving too much to the friendship like it wasn't fair right and I'll never forget it she turned around to me and she said this is what love is this is what love is there will be times where you need more than me and there will be times when I need more than you And if we point score, it will never feel even. And I have taken that as a guiding post to how I want to be a friend, how I want to be a community member, how I want to show up for my family. We cannot point score. We can't go, I stayed three minutes past five, so you owe me three minutes of time in our intimate relationships because that halts intimacy that kills the intimacy of a friendship and I think fluidity like you said is and flexibility is how we navigate that whilst still working out well where is my tolerance level right where's the top end of my tolerance level if I'd moved in with Kim if I'd stopped Kim going to work if I'd become financially dependent on Kim these may have all tipped the tolerance levels of what she was was and wasn't willing to give to our friendship in that time but none of that happened so she was willing to continue giving her love and and giving her reassurance And also I was playing my part. I was doing everything in my power to, you know, grab the life rafts that were being sent my way. And, you know, I'm not, I wasn't just sitting there in my victimhood. I was sitting there looking for a solution and looking for the way out. Um, And I think potentially it would have been a very different conversation had I just been like rocking up at her house, regurgitating the same problem day in, day out, day in, day out. That is a very different experience. But Yeah, I'll never forget that. Like you can't point score. Yeah. And I think sometimes that's that's what we want to do. I did this for you. You did that for me. I did the dishes yesterday. You do the dishes today. You know, I did this with the kids. You do that with the kids. And it's same in the workplace. You know, I, I worked through my lunch break today. I'm taking double lunch break tomorrow. And if you take a step back from that, whatever that scenario is, whatever resonates with you, or maybe you've got your own, 
and you remove the point score and you look at it in terms of a whole journey, it's just evident that life naturally pans out and falls that way anyway. If you're working from a place of kindness, if you know where you're uh, where your tolerance is, if you know that the other person or the other space is coming at it with kindness too. We don't need to point score because if we have healthy relationships, it's going to it's it's going to fall that way anyway. There's um something I heard on another podcast the other day that really resonated to me and that was about how in this world of boundaries, it's like the pendulum has swung, right? We've maybe gone from being overly people-pleasing-y and desperate for the validation of other people. And then the mainstream media and social media caught up with this word boundaries. And we've got the Brené Browns and we've got, and it's amazing and it's great. And hurrah, boundaries. Yes, absolutely. And self-worth and, and the pendulum though has kind of swung the other way where we got kind of drunk on individualism and drunk on putting ourselves first to the point that we have forgotten that we are much more powerful as a collective. And I see how people pleasing can fit into that. This idea of like, I'm no longer people pleasing has become, I'm no longer doing anything for anybody else because I'm the only person that's important in my life. And that is not how we create community. It's not how we create connection. It's not how we build creatively together and it's not how we problem solve. And how much of this sort of individualistic, oh, sorry, uh, should have turned my notifications off, haven't learned 10 years on. Um, and how this sort of individualistic attitude to life has meant that we are banding around phrases like people pleasing and boundaries in ways that are actually contextually not necessarily relevant what's your mm. thought on that yeah I mean first of all when did doing something for someone become an act of people pleasing like where did we get to for that to happen because Gosh, um, I don't know, you you help someone with the groceries. Is that people-pleasing? Um, someone asks you if you can watch their kids because they've got to go to a doctor's appointment. Is that people-pleasing? To me, it's not, but I can I can see and I know and I've heard where some people would use that. I'm such a people-pleaser. I say yes to everything. Well, there's a difference between saying yes because you genuinely want to help or care or because it is about the collective good and saying yes when you don't want to or saying yes when you resent that decision or saying yes when actually you're not doing it from a place of kindness, you're doing it to hold on so you can be like, now they owe me a favour. And that's when I think we're misusing the term. We're almost using it in a way to to validate behaviours that perhaps we don't like within ourselves but we're not yet confident enough to overcome. So we're not <laughs> that what you just said, that put it on a t-shirt, drink it out of the mug. <laughs> yes. Well, we're not confident enough to put boundary in place. We're not confident enough to say no. We're not confident enough to say, you know what, I'd really love to help you with your kids, but um I actually have this going on, or I just don't have the space, or um uh, whatever it might be. We're not confident enough to do that. And we're so worried about what the other person will say that we'd rather say yes. And so we use it as a way to not have to work through our own shit. That is so unbelievably hard relate to me. <laughs> <laughs> 
and then we blame the other person, right? We start yes, oh, oh, they kept oh my asking God, me. That person kept stuff. asking me, and I kept saying yes, but because I haven't worked out where my own sense of self lies within myself and within this relationship or within the context of this particular community, I've just continued to say yes so that I can blame that other person for my lack of working out where my ki- where my kindness boundaries lie. Yeah, it's like person A expects so much of me, I have to keep saying yes, it's their fault I can't do this, it's their fault I don't have time, it's their fault I'm tired or, you know, it's it's... It's their fault I can't do X, Y, Z. No, actually, it's not anyone's fault. It's just that you haven't figured out how to do that for yourself. Yeah, that's so unbelievably powerful. And then what would happen if you did work out how to do Because I think this is the other thing that people think about people-pleasing. It's like, I'm people-pleasing, so that compromises my welfare. And let's be really honest here, right? If people-pleasing is compromising your welfare a hundred percent you want to be addressing it and you need to be looking at it and there's nothing wrong with looking at your people pleasing tendencies but often and I've seen this happen with clients I've seen it happen with a few friends I've probably done it myself we recognize people pleasing because it becomes part of the zeitgeist right we all of a sudden watching the Brené Browns and we're watching the TED Talks and we're like, yeah, I'm a people pleaser. I do things all the time that I don't want to do. And then again, we get on that pendulum and we swing it so far the other way that all we tend to end up doing is like cutting people off completely as opposed to finding where the happy medium is, as opposed to saying, actually, do you know what? I can for example, work late this weekend or now is the time where I need to like show up for this person more than I normally would because they're going through a hard time or whatever it might be. And then knowing when you're allowed to back off. And I think, you know, we love consistency and I love consistency. I'm all here for consistency. But having the ability to have hard and vulnerable conversations with the people that you love or with your team members or with your staff or whatever to be able to say hey in this season I'm really happy to help you out a bit more than I normally would because I understand the pressures of this project or I understand that you're going through a really hard time right now and I really want to help and support you and then also being able to have that conversation on the other side of that project or on the other side of that really hard time where you can go great amazing that project's wrapped that's so great I'm going to go back to leaving at five o'clock when it's appropriate or, you know, I'm not going to pick your kids up from school every day now, you know, and it's about having, having the confidence and the competence. And those two things obviously go hand in hand and, you know, they can't be mutually exclusive. They both build together simultaneously to be able to have those conversations. And that means knowing yourself really well. That means having that kind of certain sense of assurance in yourself to know that however that conversation pans out you're going to be okay and that you are still loved and that you are still worthy and that you are still safe and that there is still a sense of belonging for you Mm, yeah there's there's definitely a difference between doing something for other people and with other people I think I think of it like that I don't like I'm not doing it for someone I'm not taking an action or you know helping someone paint their house or you know going to their birthday celebration or whatever it might be for them I'm doing it with them because we're connected in this like I'm, I'm with them in our team I'm with them in our workplace and that means that that action only comes from kindness and because I want it to sometimes I say no to things 
I don't want to do this. I don't have capacity for this. Um, I don't have the energy for this. And that tends to be the language I use now. Um, like some things I just don't want to do. But then also I may not have the energy or capacity. That really allows me to ask myself, if I was to say yes to this, would I be doing out of kindness or would I end up resenting it? And if I lean towards actually I don't have energy, I don't have capacity, I don't have space, I'm going to resent saying yes to this, I don't do it because then I think it is a version of people-pleasing. Then I am saying yes because I'm more worried about the other person than I am actually about looking after myself. I read a thing the other day about... um not what like introverts like the rise of introverts this is going to make sense in a minute I understand that sounds like a weird segue but like the the rise of the excuse of the introvert like I'm an introvert so I can't go out on a Saturday night or I'm an introvert so I can't say yes to that birthday party and this article was sort of saying like we can't like you can be an introvert and still make an effort with your friends and what I love about what you've just said is when we put the third party ahead of us as individuals so that third party might be the school the children the uh, project the friendship right the relationship when that kind of when that takes precedent and then we recognize ourselves as individuals that are part of that collective we get to then have that conversation with ourselves, which is, all right, I am an introvert. It is raining. I am tired. I could, it would be much nicer for me tonight to just put my pajamas on and watch reruns with friends. But what's for the, what's the greater good here? And am I willing today to work for the greater good? Or am I really sick? Am I really burnt out? You know, whatever it is. And I actually really do need like for my own welfare, because without me looking after myself I'm also no good to the collective but it is about I think in part like recognizing ourselves as an as a part of an organism Mm. and that what I love about what you've just said is like as as somebody who is part of something that is bigger than just the sum of me whether that be a friendship a project a team at work like where is my capacity to add to that thing that I am part of today and and I am doing this with you so if I'm coming to your birthday party I'm doing it with you as a friend if I'm staying late at work I'm doing it with the team because we're all working to something that is greater than us and we're in this loneliness epidemic right now right we're in this like women left right and center especially who just seem to be like I don't know who I am I don't know where I'm going and I don't know where my friends went and I think part of that in in part I mean there's many factors that have contributed to that but I think in part some of that is this like we've forgotten that there is there is always something that is bigger than us and if we can work out where our part is in that thing that is bigger than us and where our tolerance level is and how much we want to contribute to that thing that is bigger than us we will naturally create this sense of belonging and I think sometimes this idea of like I'm a people pleaser so I'm not going to please anyone anymore right the antidote to people pleasing is that I stop pleasing anybody that is actually keeping us less connected rather than more connected if you stop people pleasing like as a blanket rule let's say and I'm not going to do anything for anyone then how do you build connection and belonging? 
Like, how do you, if you're like, no, I don't do that. I don't do people. I don't do anything for people except myself. That is, that is a lonely sentence in itself. Isn't it, Jess? So just aware of time, we should probably wrap this conversation up, although I think we could just continue exploring yeah. it and opening it and saying it in different ways all the time. But what would you say to somebody who really resonates with this conversation? Maybe somebody who has in the past absolutely identified as a people pleaser, but recognizes that maybe they've taken it too far the other way. I really think it, it's, it's about understanding the difference between people pleasing and doing something out of kindness and because you want to. And sometimes sometimes I do do things because I know it's just the right thing to do. It's a good thing to do. It's going to make someone else happy, even if I don't really want to do it. That I don't see that as people pleasing. I see that as me having to get a little bit of grit and giving myself a pep talk because I just kind of want to stay on the couch. But actually, I've committed to this. I know it's it is good for the greater good it is about connection it is about showing appreciation and so I'm going to do that but I'm not going to resent the decision I'm going to be okay with that decision and I'm going to do it from a place of love and kindness and I'm not going to expect anything back so I think if you're sitting here listening and thinking I people please all the time ask yourself are you doing things out of kindness or are you doing things because you feel like you have to and be able to discern between the difference yeah that's a beautiful piece of advice to go out on amy thank you so much for your time today i cannot tell you how much i appreciate you um for those of you who are not following amy jump onto it um i'll link her instagram handle and especially if you're in the education space especially if you're in the education space go ahead give her a follow and actually do you know what even if you're not in the education space i learn so much from your posts <laughs> I really do because obviously the education part is contextual but really it's human behavior it's looking after ourselves it's dancing in these tensions right that we are exploring in these sort of unashamedly human podcast episodes so thank you so much for your time your expertise and your beautiful sparkling energy oh thank you Emma it's always always a pleasure I do feel like we could talk for hours so that's great <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Unashamedly Human, the podcast. I really appreciate your listening. If you have loved this episode, please share the shit out of it. Tell all your mates, go and whack it on your Insta stories and tag me, M. Chadbourne. And wherever you are listening, if you could rate and review, I would very much appreciate it. You're a legend. 